A Christian brother recently shared with me how at a get-together at a friend's home, he spoke with a woman who became very angry when he told her that he believed Jesus alone was the Savior that all needed to be forgiven from their sins. She denied the idea that people were sinful at all. He pointed at his little girl and said to her, You see that beautiful little girl? She's evil. We have to teach her to be good. She knows how to be selfish and bad all by herself. Again, he said, it is for that little sinner that Jesus came to die and give his life. Those were controversial words. Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joe Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work to make Christ known among the nations, go to traincpe.org. And to discover more about our radio ministry or our fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. When Christ began his discourse on the Good Shepherd in John 10.10, it pleased those who were listening to him. He spoke with poetic words that stirred their sentiment. But when Christ began to expound the implications of his lesson, his words drove them almost mad. People like inspiration, and they like little applications, but they don't like those implications that put their lives on notice. There were six implications of Jesus' teaching that particularly disturbed the crowd in John chapter 10. First, he was the door through which all must come to enjoy a covenant relationship with God. Second, he was the leader all people needed to turn to and follow. Third, that everyone claiming to lead people into truth who did not bow and surrender to his leadership were thieves and robbers. Fourth, he alone could feed people the truth that they needed. Fifth, that in giving his life for the sheep, Jesus was declaring that he alone could save people from their sins. And six, that only those true members of God's community knew that what he was saying was true. These were controversial words then, and they are still controversial words today. They'll drive people mad when you say them, but you need to. The enemy who will come and seek to devour and destroy the sheep must come through me. I will give my life for it. You know, there are all kinds of truths as we study the death of Jesus Christ on our behalf. There are all kinds of angles that we could look at it and truths that are revealed. And one of them was this. In his death, he was suffering the ravenous attack of the wolf seeking to destroy the sheep. And he suffered for us instead. He is the one we need for our security. And finally, the last thing I'd want to point out about this is this. He says, the true member of God's community knows that all that I am saying right now is true. They hear my voice. They recognize me. They are known of me. I know them, and they know me. Now, those are controversial words. Those are words that have profound implications. Let me give you some of the direct personal implications of these words. So let's go back through these six things, and let's say them again. Let's look at the first one. It's this. The first implication is this. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. He is the door through which all men must go, through which all must come into fellowship with God. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14 puts it another way. There we're told that we should strive to enter in through the straight gate or the narrow gate, and Jesus is the straight or narrow way in which all men come to the Father. In another passage in John chapter 14, verse 6, we've all quoted it before, or many of you have. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way to God. The second one is this. As the good shepherd, Jesus Christ is implying to us 
that he is the only Lord of life. He alone can and must lead you into life. And he alone can and must lead you through life. The other one is this, that every other philosophy that has ever come into existence, every philosophy or every religion that's risen up that does not promote and teach that Christ is the sinner and the all of all things and his word is what settles everything that we're to believe, every other religion is a religion composed of instructors and individuals who are religious and spiritual criminals and frauds. What they teach, no matter how appealing, no matter how momentarily helpful, will ultimately rob you of eternal life and leave you in personal ruin. Folks, today, that's a controversial word. We kind of like the idea of religious ecumenism. We not only want to accept anybody who names the name of Christian and puts it across their church doors or their signs, but we're now ready to accept any from, from any faith and any religion, and we'll gather them together in prayer meetings, and we'll bring them together to speak and educate and teach us, and that's the way it is. Jesus says anyone else is a thief and a robber, and they've come to kill and to steal and destroy. That's controversial. It's direct, and it has a profound implication on individuals who are trying to steal a little truth from this religion and that faith and this idea. It only can, and all comes from Christ alone. The only truth that will feed your souls and satisfy our true needs are those truths embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. He alone can lead us in and out to good pasture. And the fifth thing is this. Christ's death on the cross for your sins and mine is the only way we can be saved from evil. Otherwise, it will overtake us and destroy us. Here's a third implication. If you are a true child of God, you will understand that all of this is true. And if you don't understand it, then you are not a true child of God. These are not the only propositions that we can make that are found in God's Word. You can read through the Bible and you can read through this section in John chapter 10 and you can find other wonderful truths that are revealed to us in it. But these are just six. But just take these six. Just let them illustrate the point. That when these truths are heard by an individual and they recognize what's being said, they stir up controversy. The Christian doesn't have the right to speak the truth of God in anything but an absolute and personal tone because that's the truth we represent. It is absolute and is personal. It really is not our position to say to somebody, you know, what I believe is, well, I believe, Jesus didn't say, I believe that I'm the door. He didn't say that. He said, I am the door. Well, this is part of the problem that people have when the Christian message is spoke as Christ speaks it. The problem people have is that it's exclusive because it's so absolute. It's so settled. There's not room for debate on the matter. And this bothers them and this upsets them and this, it gets under their skin. One of the individuals who contributes to the ministry that we have, Church Partnership Evangelism, is a gentleman by the name of Velu Cadreville. And I know Velu wouldn't mind me mentioning his name. He and I met about eight years ago when we first moved to Boise and I was in an evening service where my father did teaching every Sunday night. There, Velu came into the service where my father was speaking and he had a big Bible on his lap. And so after it was over with, I began talking to him and he had a very strong and distinctive accent from India. I said, Velu, how long have you been a Christian? 
assuming that he was a Christian. I mean, I mean, it was Sunday night, and he was out at a church service, and a big Bible in his lap. And Velu's answer was, well, I'm not a Christian. I'm just exploring Christianity. And I said, oh, this Bible, he said, was given to me by my girlfriend. And I said, well, let me ask you a question, Velu. Um, what is it about Christianity? How long have you been exploring it? And he said, well, I've been exploring it for the last six months or so. Well, let me ask you, what is it about Christianity that bothers you, that you don't like? And Velu said, I do not like its exclusiveness. I do not like its claim to be the only way to God. It got under his skin. It had bothered him. We continued in our conversation. At some point in the conversation, I said to Velu, Velu, I just have a question for you. I get the sense you're here because you're searching for truth. Is that right? Yes. Uh, well, let me ask you another question, actually. I said to him, Velu, let me ask you, in your search for truth, are you willing to submit everything to the test of truth? He said, yes. I said, does that mean you're willing to accept the gathering together of ideas from every four corner of the world and every philosophy and every religion, and if it all somehow comes together and fits together and you can see how truth is formed and all those instructions, you're able, able to take a little from everything? And he said, yes, I'm ready to do that. I said, well, let me see. In your pursuit of truth, does that also mean that you are so sincere in your pursuit of truth that if you, as you pursue it, come to the conclusion that one thing is true to the exclusion of everything else, are you willing to give up everything to follow that truth? And he paused for a while and he said, yes, I am. I said, Demelu, let me say this to you. You are going to find the truth. You're going to find it. And I left him alone. And I didn't see him now for two months. Two months later, he called me up on a phone. It was uh, the week after Christmas. And he told me that on Christmas Eve, he had prayed to give his life to Jesus Christ. But it was the insinuation of absolute truth that gnawed away at him and gnawed away at him and gnawed away at him. And it was personal and it was controversial. And it created division, but ultimately it changed his life. And I did not say, you know, we Christians believe. I said, this is who Jesus Christ claimed to be. And this is who he was. And this is how he must speak. Somewhere along the line, the church and Christians must break rank with the fear of creating controversy and say what we know is true as an absolute truth or as the absolute truth that it is. We must say it. We have to. We must say, Jesus Christ is the only way through which you'll ever have eternal life. We must say, Jesus Christ is the Lord of creation and he alone you should follow and obey. We must say, you will never be satisfied when the deepest needs of your life except through Jesus Christ. For there is no true life and there is no fulfilling and abundant life without Him. We must say that to individuals. We must say any religion or opinion or idea where Christ is not at the center and the authoritative voice behind it is wrong and criminal and destructive to you and destructive to others. We must say it. We must say, your good works and your best efforts cannot save you from being overcome by evil. Only Christ's death on your behalf and His resurrection and His life given to you for your fullness can rescue you from these things. We must say, the only way that you will know that this is true is if you will give your life to Him. And if you have, then you know it is true. These are the things we must say. I know these words are controversial, and they should be. If you don't think they're controversial, say them to someone. 
and you'll find out. And anyone who finally understands what Jesus Christ meant understands that there is no middle ground on the way to eternity. You are either for him or you are against him. You are either his or you are not. You either have him and with him you have eternal life or you have him not and then you also have not life. That's just the way it is because that's just what he told us. And ultimately, that is just what we need to tell others. So let's be faithful to say what he has said, even though it will cause the controversy to continue. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, I pray that you would place the feet of your Christians and your children on sure ground where they can say, God has spoken it, so be it. Where they can put before their words, not the I believe or I think, but they can put before their words, truly, truly, verily, verily, here is an absolute truth, most assuredly. Oh God, speak these assured truths to our hearts, we pray. May we first find comfort in all that is said. May we look to him and find in him our fullness. And then may we proclaim him as the full life for all men. We ask in Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.